Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today's guest is Jess Lilly. Jess is a heart-centered leadership coach and coach trainer who is committed to creating a world full of empathetic, courageous leaders that understands it's way more effective to play heartball than hardball. She lives in Washington, D.C. with her loyal steed, Aiden the dog, whom I've met, and he is adorable. There's a lot in this conversation that hasn't been covered in other episodes. I love that we talk about the difference between therapy and coaching because I get this question a lot. We dive into how experiences don't define who you are, how we are meant to be interconnected but not codependent, and how we humans think there's a version of life where there's no pain. And her grandma Shirley makes an appearance as well. You will love Grandma Shirley. Quick reminder, for community and camaraderie, come join us in the Fine is a Four-Letter Word Facebook group. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. When you're asking yourself, what's next for me? Who am I now in this next season of life? And where do I even start figuring out my purpose? The fuck being fine experience is here for you. The next group starts in just a couple weeks. Let me take you from doing just fine and lead you to a place of unprecedented passion, clarity, and peace. I'd love to chat with you about the steps to finding the courage to do what you know you need to do. Go to zenrabbit.com to learn more or to schedule a complimentary call. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Jess Lilly, and Jess and I met through the coolest, well, I don't know what to call it, application, the coolest way possible. It's this program called lunchclub.ai. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not promoting it. In the, like, <laughs> I am promoting it, but I don't get paid to promote it. Um, but Jess was my very first matchup on Lunch Club, and then we just stayed connecting. Welcome, Jess. Thank you for having me, Lori. Yeah, I um, love that we met on Lunch Club, and I love that I get to be on your podcast because one of the things I remember from our very first meeting is that you introduced me to just how simple and painless it can be to get on a podcast and actually just start being heard and using my voice. And at the time, I was so hesitant to just jump in, and you inspired me and you catalyzed me. So this is very meaningful to me that I am actually on your podcast. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. And really, I mean, it's just a conversation. We're just having a conversation (laughs) for the the world to hear, but still. 
Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Still a fun, just a fun opportunity to talk to Lori and other people get to hear it too. They're so lucky. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so let's start out with the question that I, I like to start with, which is what were the beliefs and values that were instilled in you as you were growing up that have affected you as you've become an adult? Ah, this is such a great question. So some of the beliefs, there, there's, it's interesting because I think I've had, I had a couple of conflicting beliefs instilled in me. Um, I'm kind of a believer that, you know, generation to generation, people pass the baton, like they do their work. Like, mm -hmm. so my grandmother and my grandparents' generation, they did their work and they did everything that they could to move, move the ball on our family. And then they hand the baton down and then my mom and dad do their work and then they hand the baton down. So it's interesting because I, I received, you know, some super empowering beliefs. I received some disempowering beliefs, but I just wouldn't have it any other way because it all like came together for my, you know, my own journey. But one of the beliefs that I uh, was instilled in me by my father is that my sensitivity is a strength. Like, oh, that's he, cool. I didn't believe him at first. Like, I really was super enrolled in the like kind of patriarchal. Like, I had, I, I was kind of convinced by a lot of external things that, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, I'm a very sensitive, highly emotionally intelligent, empathetic, you know, cry on a dime kind of, kind of person, big heart, big tender heart. And I kind of made myself wrong for that because I felt way more deeply than other people, the people around me, things that didn't affect other people deeply affected me. I could feel other people's feelings, like just being in their space. And I really believed that that meant there was something wrong with me. So I had this kind of there's something wrong with me belief, like just inherently there's something wrong with me. But I also had this belief of my sensitivity is my strength. And I had this underlying knowing that I am going to be able to use this. I don't know how I am like a part of my purpose on the planet is using my innate sensitivity and gifts and this, this like, I, you know, nowadays I call it like I'm a heart ball. So like my like heart balliness, my like uh -huh. heart centered leadershipness. And so that's really one of the beliefs that he passed to me because he's totally a sensitive heart ball type, you know, very, um, that's that's totally him, and he made it clear to me that he values that in me. That's really interesting that that you felt that it's a, a liability, though, because other people could feel that they're being the opposite of that, maybe not feeling or not being able to understand other people's feelings would be a deficit on their part. So everybody all around is feeling there's something wrong with me when there's nothing. Well, and it's so funny because it also you're pointing to the fact that, you know, I feel like there's a stage in development where you just want to belong and you just want to conform and just be like everybody else. And there's this natural progression of, no, I want to be fully myself and authentic and be distinct and individuate and just be fully me where you get to embrace all these differences that you might have or, or special gifts. But the um, so that was really that whole journey around my relationship to my sensitivity and my being and my authentic self, I think has been 
just, it got catalyzed from that kind of conversation from Mm -hmm. a very, very young age. And then there's this other conversation that, you know, I'll, you know, I'll attribute to, I love, love, loved my grandmother, my grandma Shirley. And she also had a ton of disempowering (laughs) beliefs that she trained me in because she wanted me to be safe. So she's this, you know, uh, you know, grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, uh, Jewish immigrant experience, you know, had a lot of fear in her space in general, a, a very hard upbringing, all that stuff. And so she passed on stories to me for the explicit purpose for me to be safe and okay. Mm-hmm. But the stories were, you need a man to take care of you. Don't be fat. <laughs> wow. <Don't- laughs> You know, just don't like, you know, she was constantly monitoring like, you know, what, how's the figure? Is it good? Is it bad? What does she look like? You know, she's kind of into it. Oh, yeah. She's grandma. (laughs) Grandma Shirley is like a heavy hitter with the accent. She's like, you know, she, she, yeah, so she just had this and I learned it. Yes, there was some explicit training in that, like from my grandmother of like, Jesse, are you happy? And I'm like, yes, Grandma, I am happy. No, you're not happy. You don't have a boyfriend. When are you going to have a boyfriend? Like, she just wouldn't believe that <laughs> I, being a single person, was also happy and fulfilled. Right. Um, but the place that I learned all that stuff, like the kind of um, disempowered feminine, like, perspective, that kind of, like, you know, please someone rescue me, I, I learned that mostly from what she modeled and, and how she spoke about herself. Of course. And I think that's how a lot of us learn, not necessarily through what is actually said, but what we're watching. Yes. And it's really interesting because I, you know, my grandmother love, love, again, I just loved her. Like she was super dysfunctional, but she had such, I feel so much affinity toward her. Like I have a little, I have a picture of me and her like in my living room and I think about Mm -hmm. her all the time because I feel like she and I were cut from the same cloth, but I had the tools and opportunities that I had and she just didn't have those. And so like, I have no doubt that, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, if she were born, if for whatever reason, some funny universe existed where me and my grandma both lived in this generation together, like we would, maybe would have, we would have started a podcast together. Like she's hilarious and she was, hilarious and witty and spicy and strong and all this stuff, but never believed it about herself. Mm-hmm. And and she would always say, Jesse, you should be a comedian. That was a big thing. She always said I should be a comedian. <laughs> I feel Jesse, oi, you're so funny. You should be a comedian. And um, you know, she just really believed in me. On a lot of levels, she really believed in me and loved that I was taking my own path. But at the same time, she just really wished that I I would be safe and in her mind safe is being taken care of by a man and that's just how her right. belief system was i also really wish that she had lived to be able to watch marvelous miss Maisel, that show about the jewish you know female comedian because it really would uh-huh. have blown her it would have blown her away we would have had a, a yeah. ball so on a certain level i'm like grandma shirley i hope that your spirit has the opportunity to watch that show somehow. Mm-hmm. Love you. But that's, you know, that's, she shaped, you know, she shaped a lot of how I viewed myself in the world. And she 
inspires me now to continuous, continuously, voraciously heal wounds, mm-hmm. <laughs> change the story and the pattern and do, do my work to pass on. Yeah, it's so interesting that you recognize the qualities that she, why she was give, empowering you in the way or disempowering you in the way that she was and that you don't find fault with her for doing that because, of course, that was where she came from. That's what she knew. And she was doing it out of love. Yeah. I, and, but that, at the same time, now you recognize the work that you need to do or have done. Tell me more about that, the work that you have done to get to the place where you are now. Yeah. I, that, it's so amazing you just asked that question because the, the thing that was on my mind when you were speaking was just what a huge, huge transformational gift coaching has been for me. So loved my therapeutic journey. So I'll, I'll kind of back up. So I, you know, I'm very lucky. I was raised in a home, a Jewish home, where therapy was not, um, it wasn't seen as something bad or wrong or something. You know, it was, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I was a, a perfectly fine, except perfectly fine. Yeah, fine. A perfectly fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> fine. It's fine. No, it was and accepted. Funny, well, actually, it was accepted. And it's funny that you call it fine because it was fine. So therapy for me was fine. Um I did a ton of work around my, um, like I had really low self-esteem and, you know, I had a lot of symptoms of depression and anxiety. Some of it was very much like, you know, a biological thing. Some of it was circumstantial. Um, But what happened was, you know, in my 20s, I hit a wall with therapy where I was like, I'm pretty sure I can be more alive than I currently am. And I've been in Mm. a lot. I've paid for a lot of therapy. I've been like 10 (laughs) years of therapy. And I think that I can be more alive and vital and full of joy than I currently am. And I'm in this loop of believing that my depression and my anxiety are who I am and that they are my limiting factors. And that's when I really – I just am super – the, the timing was very serendipitous that I was introduced to certain role models who are all coaches, including the coach that I ended up hiring, this awesome coach, Laura Westman. Look her up. She's great. Still my coach. Um, I met her and I was introduced to the conversation around coaching, which is about, hey, yes, address your mental health stuff for sure. Hey, sure. yeah, totally. Heal your trauma. Do all that stuff. And there's another conversation that you can be in about your greatness and your purpose on the planet and taking action to get what you want and taking your power back from the crap that you've given your power away to. Um, You have more power than you think. And of course, when I first met this person, I was in such a victim mentality. I was felt very sorry for myself. I felt super trapped by depression and these limiting stories about myself and what I'm capable of. Um, given what I'm like, big mm-hmm. air quotes. Um, and so I started this coaching journey. And one of the really cool aspects of coaching is that you learn through really cool conversations and really special relationships, you learn how to not take your stuff or other people's stuff personally. Like I'm able to really look and say, hey, who I truly am I am authenticity and joy. I am empathy, love. I'm all these qualities and these gifts and these ways of being. And 
I'm a human being, so I have a survival mechanism. I have these automatic fear-based ways of moving around the world to protect myself, and those things are not who I am. Those are the things I do to stay safe when I'm threatened or insecure or whatever. And so the more that I worked on my own, seeing my own stuff that way, and more identifying with my, what I would call your essence which is kind of the language we use in our the coach training program, accomplishment coaching that I'm involved with. Um, you know, the more I saw myself as my essence and less identified with my fear, I was able to also offer that to other people. And so mm, huge yeah. when it comes to, especially with family relationships, because, you know, family relationships have those spe that special way of getting into your skin like other people can't, <laughs> you know? Right, right. They know what buttons to push. But it's a total, yeah, it's total freedom to be able to say, oh, that actually wasn't about me. I stepped in something with this person. That's because they were really scared by whatever was going on between us. And it's not mm -hmm. about my worthiness. It's not about whether or not they love me. It's about where they are and what they're experiencing. And that's okay. Yeah. I love that you just made the distinction between coaching and therapy for one thing and they both have a place and but it's a different place and they're going to help you accomplish different things yeah they're like two different cars on a road they're like two different cars on a road and just to give you an example because people often you know there's a lot of nuance there and so something I'm really passionate about is um, educating people about what the distinctions are even when there's nuance Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the things that I did with my coach in the past few years is I, I rehired her to say, hey, what we're going to work on together is my relationship to my depression and my mental health. <laughs> we yeah. can't address the depression together because I'm going to go do that in therapy. I'm going to go do that over here where with a licensed healing professional. But what you and I are going to do is we're going to look at what's what's my vision for myself and how do I incorporate and integrate this reality, which is I experienced depression. I am not right. unique. That is a very yeah, common experience. Exactly. And, and I, again, the way you just phrased that is I experience it. It's not who you are. It's, it doesn't define you. It's just something that you experience like anything else we experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we got on this call, um, one of our conversations of the many conversations we've had previous, we were talking about people wanting the thing, whatever the thing is, but not wanting to, uh, but not wanting the pain that goes with it. Yep. And that they think that there, you had said that they think there's a version of life where there's no pain. Gosh. And don't we all just fall into that trap? I don't want to speak for the universal we, but I'll speak for myself that, you know, there are some times when, you know, I've chosen a very rigorous transformational path where I'm, you know, I'm on a leadership team in a coach training program. So I'm always being challenged at this really high level of rigor. You know, I do a lot of therapy. I do a lot of, um, I just do a lot of work. And mm -hmm. there are times where I, I really think to myself, like, especially when, when I'm right up against, my next breakthrough, or I'm really outside my comfort zone and doing stuff that is super confronting to me, I think to myself, 
wait, isn't there like a, like, why did I decide to do this? Like, like, wait, leadership. Where's the easy button? Where's the, wait, can we go back to easy? And, and just, you know, time and time again, I always remember that the thing that I thought was the easy way was shrinking my life because I was always trying to just avoid pain and I was shrinking my life and trying to, you know, remove any kinds of, you know, stimulus or, 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 responsibilities, commitments, relationships that would cause me to experience pain instead of the path of expanding my capacity to be with pain, expanding my capacity to trust my inner strength and trust my support systems that I have in place to just to to persevere in the face of it. And but I still have those moments and my clients have those moments and my peers in my in the coach training world have those moments of like, ah, wait, isn't there like a world where I'm sitting on a beach drinking a like virgin pina colada and like nothing's ever wrong and I have all the money in the bank and there are no problems ever? Yes. Where's that version? Well, it just reminded me of two things because I remember having a coach who would say that uh, there's always a breakdown before a breakthrough. Like whenever you're losing your mind, like that is indicative of a breakthrough This is coming. And the other thing I remember hearing from some, a different coach was that don't, something about don't wish for the problem to be smaller, wish that you grow enough to be bigger than the problem. Delicious. Those are two very delicious coachy things that you, that you, that I remember. (laughs) I'm so into those. I mean, and I, I love them as, you know, I think that the cool thing about surrounding yourself with coachy people and, and, and just a coaching conversation in general, whether or not you even hire a coach, like if you just sound, surround yourself with people who are kind of into it and are growth minded and dig personal development and transformation, you end up in a situation where you fall in love with breakdowns and you fall in love with the process because if you experience it enough times overtly and on purpose then you start to get that like, oh, I am in the worst shit right now, but I know that means I'm close to something. And I know that I have six or seven or eight or nine people in my life that I can turn to. Like, Lori, I have no doubt I could call you up and say, Lori, I'm at the bottom of the well. I feel like yeah. absolute shit. I have no idea why I chose to do any of this. Please remind me. And you would be a partner to me in holding the vision and being like, no, Jess, remember? We talked about it on my podcast. (laughs) Breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. You're so close. And this is exactly why people need coaches and why people come into like the, my fuck being fine experience is for that courage. Not that you couldn't necessarily find it on your own, but it, it, it's not likely that. Well, and we're so, you know, there's this, I'm really grateful that part of my work on the planet is to remind people that we actually aren't meant to do things alone. Like we're kind of, you know, our culture is very hyper individualistic (laughs) and this idea of like, I'm going to muscle through, make enough money, whatever. I'm going to self-care myself. I'm going to just take a million baths and get a hundred massages and I'm just going to be, I'm going to be great. It's going to be great. And then I'll be, I'll be fine. I will be fine. I'll be fine. Um, But there's this, the power of coaching and 
believing deeply in that we are meant to be interconnected, not codependent, not dependent, but interconnected and um, rely and depend on one another from, from choice and from love and equality and partnership is that we allow so much more um, expansiveness into our lives. Like it's, there's a humility that comes from saying I need partnership in my life because I'm a human being and life is better that way. And there's just such a missed opportunity to to go into your silo. You know, when people are like, you know what? I'm going to just, for another couple of years, I'm going to do it on my own and just like see what I could do on my own. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And the thing that breaks my heart in it is there's so much stuff that you're not able to see with your two eyes alone. Right. That with someone else in the conversation with you, you're just going to see so many more possibilities. You're going to be able to go past where you would normally stop alone. Cause the place where we stop when we're alone is way earlier than the right. place you stop when you're hand in hand with someone or locked arms in partnership. Yeah, exactly. Because you're pulling each other and think about it when you go, go and do anything like let's say, go on, on vacation and you go somewhere with other people and they see things differently. Like, Oh, look at that. Where you weren't folk, you weren't looking in that direction. You were looking over here and they're like, Oh, look over there. And you share all of that experience with each other. It's the same, same concept. It's so much more exciting that when you're, when you're going somewhere cool that you go with someone or several others to share the experience, right? Yes. And I love the the posture of how you shared that is just this like empowered choice to bring more richness into your life rather than like, oh, I have to be with people. And Lori, this is, um, I love that we're going in this direction together because I also wanted to share with you that I um, recently started dating someone. I have a boyfriend. What? And I have a boyfriend. I have an actual boyfriend. It's so great. His name is Congratulations. Thank you. And it's so funny that we're talking about partnership because I have spent, you know, X years. So I had my fine, right? Like Mm -hmm. I created my Mm -hmm. fine. It wasn't that fine. It was a four-letter word. It it usually never is. No, it isn't. Lori, I created a fine. It was a fine. And then I broke free of the fine. And I've been on this like messy, like, a healing journey very much on my own, which it had to be on my own. A lot of the stuff that I yeah. did over the years just had to be on my own because a lot of it had to do with just me and my relationship with myself and that whatever we could mm-hmm. go into it. It was yeah. delicious, yeah. but you know, painful, delicious, great. And it's so fun to be at a place where I now, because I feel really solid in all of that piece I'm like, ooh, now I get to do it with a partner. Oh, my God, we're going to have so much fun. Um, And that's such a different place than, you know, five, six, seven years ago where I would have been like, I hate being alone. Why can't I? You know, I am not the only person on the planet who has that experience. You know, No, not at all. There's there's a whole world of people having that experience. But now you get to come to this partnership as a whole person as opposed to someone who is depending on, like Grandma Shirley was telling you to do, uh, depending on the guy. 
And you know, my my grandmother, I she was so she was so sad that when you know when she died that I was single. She really really did think that it it meant that I was like doomed to be sad for the rest of my life. She really was worried mm. about me. But you know, she I think she would be really proud of of how conscientious I've been in filling up my own cup and doing this healing work and doing all this, building my business. Yeah, and no doubt she would. Yeah, she totally would. And oh, I, that gives me a little, oh, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional about that. That's so lovely. But <laughs> verklempt. Um, she verklempt. So I have no doubt that she also would like this, uh, this David character. Also. How do you know she didn't direct him into your life? Lori, I love you, and I love you even more. I <laughs> I already loved you, and now you went ahead and made it even more beautiful. I love you so much. Yeah, thank you, Grandma. What I meant to say was, thank you, Grandma Shirley. <laughs> thank you. She was like, okay, she's ready. That whole time, that was all a, a charade from fear. But deep down, I was waiting to send you this particular man. Um, yeah, sure. Very. She's she's very magical well. like that. I think that's a, a fair point. That's probably what happened. No that's doubt. probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, so now you're choosing to, if I, using this as an example, you're choosing from a place of uh, making decisions from a place of strength as opposed yes. to a place of fear. Yes. Or desperation. Yep. And I think that one of the signals to me that um, I am really grounded in that place of strength is when I hear, I used to get so pissed when people said that thing of, you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. I used to lose it. I used to be like, what? Say it to my face. Say it to my <laughs> face. Like, I just, I don't know Say what it again. I, Say it to my face. Um, I Just for whatever reason, I felt really like, I, like that was like an attack. I was like, look, stop. And so I think that the, you know, where I'm at right now, and look, I'm sure I'm going to have bumps along the way and, and backslide and do all sorts of manner of things. But I really, that doesn't, that concept doesn't irritate me <laughs> anymore. Yeah, it doesn't it's trigger like, oh, yeah. you. It doesn't trigger me. And I also am able to see, the both and of like, yeah, it does, you know, in order to be in a healthy partnership where there's like adult love, adult, fully mature, empowered love, you do need to love yourself and nourish yourself and fill yourself up. Sure. That is those go hand in hand. And mm -hmm. there's no like right way to be, to be in love with something like, you know, to have a part, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's no destination you have to get to before you can be, experiencing love and giving love you know I always felt very dismissed by that by that uh phrase that like mm -hmm. oh I haven't loved anyone because my self-love game is not super hot um, right in which case you become the victim again correct oh no oh when am I gonna be uh, when am I gonna when am I gonna be whole enough, enough? Uh. when am I gonna have done enough work when am I gonna be like yeah I'm not oh isn't that I'm not trap. good enough yet Yes. I love that you said that because I think the people, you know, yes, you can go into coaching or therapy or, you know, 12-step work or whatever. You can go into any work and still use it against yourself. 
Like, right. you know, you can, you know, our our fear brains are super wily and sneaky and we can take pretty much anything and use it just for the same old bullshit. Like we can create a whole new status quo with just some, you know, and that's why I really respect the coaches that I work with. I really respect them because they will fire a client. They will say, you're, mm-mm. I see how you're using this and you're yeah. using it to recreate all this bullshit and I'm not doing that. And sometimes that's the wake up call for someone. Right. You know, like I've had to say, I've had to say to clients like, hey, who are you making? Like, who am I to you? Like, what are you using me for in this game? Because, you know, they might be too um, scared or unwilling or whatever, for whatever reason, they're not willing to mm-hmm. actually open themselves up to the work necessary. So they're they're still playing some games around things. Right. And I have to sometimes bring a lot of like radical, rigorous, tough directness around that so that I don't become yet another person that buys into their bullshit. Right. Right. That you right. That you're helping them become something better than <sighs> I don't know if better than you're helping them become a better version of themselves. Well, you know, rather than continuing to tell themselves the whole old story that keeps them small and victimized. Yeah. And actually, Lori, I love that you hesitated around using the words better than because I actually I vote to not use that language because it's not that one way of being or looking at the world is better than another. It's just if you have a vision for your life that is X, Y, Z, you actually have to align who you're being and what you're doing to that in order to get that result. So, right. so it's not about being be- a better person. It's about, hey, like, for example, I'll just use myself because I'm whatever. I can speak from, from my own lived experience. We're the best examples. Yeah, we are. I mean, we really are. That's why coaching is to so speak, great. Is I that- mean, speaking from your own experience, that's all you can, that's all anybody can do is speak yes, from their own any- experience. Oh, hallelujah. And I love that because, you know, sometimes people get up and, and they talk about how things are and I'm the expert and coaches are always coming from not knowing because that's our job is to not know and be curious and to ask. So yeah, the thing I do know about is my own lived experience. And in my, in the example for me, like, you know, I could have repeated the same exact relationship patterns over and over and over again for the rest of my life. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Would I have experienced pain? Sure. But I'm going to experience pain in this other thing too. Uh, would, you know, so there's nothing actually wrong with it. However, the fact that I have a commitment to myself and a vision to have a life partner and to have children and to do all that cool stuff, that old way of looking at things and behaving and choosing is not going to cut it to bring that forth. And it's delusional to think that I can keep doing that same old stuff and and then somehow get to my vision. So if I really, if I told you, Lori, hey, my vision is actually I want to be alone. I want to just, you know, stay comfortable I want to be surrounded by people who are okay with my bullshit and will let me, you know, they'll let me slide every, you know, they'll, they'll accommodate every time Mm -hmm. they'll accommodate my codependency. They'll accommodate my low self-esteem. They'll accommodate all that shit. 
I could have done that. And you know what? Maybe I would have had a good time. Like, who knows? I would have had some good times, some bad times. Who knows? But what I just chose to do is say, actually, I want to achieve that experience of myself that is fully tapping into my potential, fully embracing my authentic self, my sensitivity, my my calling, my and my purpose and create a life that is scary to me. Like I want to create a vision that actually scares the shit out of me and I'm going to have to be really brave to continue to choose it over and over again. And it's juicy and painful and joyful and fulfilling. Still pain to go back to right. our other our other yeah. conversation. But but if you, you and I really landing on this whole, there's actually not one better, <laughs> there's not one better way to live than something else. Right. Um, is it, That means a lot to me. I, I think that's important. Yeah. I love that you um, are challenging yourself to be the person you need to be to get to that vision that you want to get to. Yes. And that is a great place to end our conversation, but not completely end it because what? The question that always comes next, what is your hype song? What's the song you listen to? And you need to get charged up and enthused and infused with energy. Let me clear my throat. That's how it goes. It's DJ Cool. It's Let Me Clear My Throat. It's amazing. It's from 1998. Maybe it's from before that. And I just was introduced to it in 1998. It makes me so happy and all of... uh, I, I'm going to send this podcast to my childhood friends and they're going to get a kick out of that, that I chose that song. Awesome. All right. Well, so if somebody is not your childhood friend and they want to know how to get in touch with you, how would someone do that? <laughs> you can visit justlilycoaching.com and there is a contact form. Uh, please fill that out. And I offer 45-minute complimentary discovery sessions for folks who want to give coaching a whirl. It is totally, you know, I'm really committed to people understanding the differences, like I said before, the differences between therapy, coaching, and consulting. And so, yeah, hop on there, reach out, and I'll get in touch with you. Excellent. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. So we'll make it really easy for people to be able to find you and also a link to your song so they can dance the way you, you do. Or oh. dance in their own style, I guess. More, <laughs> probably more likely. Mm-hmm. Well, Lori, next time I would have to do the dance so they could see really the full picture of, of what happens when I listen to that song. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we'll put a picture of that in the promo uh, stuff uh, since we're not releasing uh, video right now. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you, Lori. It was fun. I am so grateful the universe brought Jess into my life and that she shared Grandma Shirley with us. Speaking of Grandma Shirley, you heard how she brought David into Jess's life. After we stopped recording, Jess told me more of the story. Jess found David on a dating app. They knew each other from summer camp as kids. As it turns out, they're both living in this area now. And as I record this part... They are vacationing in Italy. How cool is that? Now, on to the key takeaways I pulled out of our conversation. Number one, we all have survival mechanisms. Automatic 
fear-based ways of moving around the world to protect ourselves. Recognize those things are not who you are. Those are the things you do to stay safe when you're threatened or insecure. When you can identify more with your essence, who you really are, and less with your fear, that's when you find freedom. Number two, when you live life always trying to avoid pain, instead of taking the path of expanding your capacity to be with pain, expanding your capacity to trust your inner strength and trust the support systems you have in place to persevere in the face of it, you're shrinking your life. There's no avoiding pain altogether. There's the pain of staying small and yearning, or there's the pain of growth. What do you want your pain to be an investment in? Number three, here's what happens when you surround yourself with people who are growth-minded and into personal development and transformation. You end up falling in love with breakdowns and falling in love with the process because if you experience it enough times, you start understanding that when you're in the worst of it, that means you're close to a breakthrough. Number four, we are meant to be interconnected. Not codependent, not dependent, but interconnected. And meant to rely and depend on one another from a place of choice and from love and equality and partnership. It's how we allow so much more expansiveness into our lives. Allowing partnerships in your life lets you see so many more possibilities. You're going to be able to get past where you normally would stop alone. And no, we're not talking about partnerships only from a life partner, romantic partnership place. Simply partnerships with other humans. Number five, bravery is required to fully embrace your authentic self, to find your calling, your purpose, to create a life vision. And making the choice to step into that is a choice you don't just make once. You have to challenge yourself to make it over and over and over again on the journey. Sometimes that requires working with a coach who will call you out on your bullshit. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode, or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that.